Have you ever done something because everyone else was doing it? Maybe there was a little bit of peer pressure, or maybe against your own better judgment, and you thought, you know, what the heck, it won't hurt anything. It looks like it's going to be lots of fun, and so you just jumped in and you did it anyways. In hindsight, when you look back, you're thinking, what was I thinking? That was so foolish. There have been so much potential for danger. I am so glad no one was hurt. Many years ago, some friends invited me to play what I thought would be a harmless game of chicken. Harmless game of chicken. In the moment, I didn't recognize the potential for danger and how foolish it was. If you're unfamiliar with this game called chicken, the objective is to be the last one standing, to not run away, to to not swerve, to prove that I'm not a coward, I'm not a chicken. Well, I'm embarrassed to share what game we played. I won't even go into it on what we did do, but I will tell you a bow and arrow were involved. And I will tell you that I was probably one of the first people to run away. I was a chicken. There are so many invitations to act foolishly. And in a moment, it can be hard to recognize what is right, what is wrong, what is wise, what is foolish. It can be difficult to know what is the wise and right choice. Thankfully, God's Word helps us to discern what is right, what is wise, and in part, who we listen to and surround ourselves with greatly impacts the direction of our life. Solomon wisely said, he said that those who walk with the wise, here's the promise, become wise. But the opposite is also true. But a companion of fools suffers harm. In part, who we listen to and surround ourselves with is going to greatly impact the direction of our life. You see, as we humbly learn from and walk in God's wise ways, it becomes more clear what is right, what is wrong, what is wise, what is foolish, to help us make the right choice and experience the best life that God wants us to experience. Today is week four of our Proverbs Wisdom series, and we're talking about wisdom's banquet table. That God has set a big table for all people to enjoy. And the point that we're really making is that the more that we feast on God's wisdom, what He says is true and wise, The promise is the better life we typically experience. As we follow, as we obey what God deems as right and wise, we typically experience the best life that God has for us. Now, to be true to Scripture, there are exceptions to the rule. You may know a man named Job. Job was a faithful man. He loved God. He did things that were right in God's sight. Yet Job temporarily experienced extreme heartache, extreme loss by Satan's attacks. But because he didn't waver, 
because he didn't curse God, God rewarded him sevenfold what he had before. God blessed him. You see, if we want to experience the best in life that God has to offer, at times we need to humbly learn what is wise and also apply it to our life. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon personifies wisdom and foolishness as a woman, and each one has a voice. Each one is communicating in our ear what is wise, but also what is foolish. And they are inviting us to dine with them. What they have prepared, what they want to give to us. And Solomon's goal is to help us discern between what is wise, what is foolish, and choose wisdom's path that leads to life compared to Lady Folly's path that is temporary, pleasurable, but ultimately leads to death. And so our passage of Scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 9. If you have your Bibles or smartphones, you're welcome to turn there, but the Scripture is going to be up on the screen as well. And pay attention to what Solomon is communicating about these two voices, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has honed it together in, with its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city and she says, let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, come, eat my food, drink the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Verse 9. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, Lady Wisdom, your days will be many and your years will be added to your life. Now here's Lady Folly, verse 13. The woman Folly is loud. She is undisciplined, without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, those who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. Clearly, it's important to consider our choices because they can drastically impact our life. Solomon communicates one of the first things he wants us to understand is that regardless of our background, education, this is our first point. We all can grow in wisdom. We all can grow in wisdom. 
And so before we go any further, we need to differentiate that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is just information. Wisdom, on the other hand, is knowledge rightfully applied in our life. So, for instance, a wood stove. Knowledge says fire is hot. Wisdom knows it will hurt and won't touch it. Wood stove, fire's hot. Wisdom says it will hurt and I won't touch it. Both are important. Knowing right from wrong, good from bad, but wisdom is it rightfully applied in our life. When I say we all can grow in wisdom, I'm implying that we don't know everything. Despite what teens may say about themselves of, I already know that mom, I know that dad, that worked for you when you were my age, but times are different. Too often we're not open to receive wisdom and advice, maybe because we're proud, maybe because we're easily offended, or maybe we think that, I already know the principle, there's nothing else to learn here. John Maxwell is quoted as saying, the greatest enemy of learning is knowing. The greatest enemy of learning is knowing. You know, we think that we already know everything. We think that we already know the principle and that there's nothing else to learn, so I'm not going to listen. But the wisest people are those who continue to learn, continue to grow, and to continue to apply wise truth to our life. And so we see this invitation from Lady Wisdom to grow in wisdom by what she says in verse 4. She says, let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. She uses the word all, that there is no prerequisite, but wisdom is available to everyone, regardless of background, regardless of knowledge or wisdom or experience. We all can grow in wisdom. And she uses the Hebrew word simple, which is pethe, which means uh, for us to understand a little bit better, is those who are easily misled, those who are easily enticed, those that are maybe more susceptible to seducible or, or foolish, or who don't really think about their choices and the actions that they do. Now, this is not a jab that Solomon is making at cognitive development, but it really implies those who lack discipline in their choices. And notice how Lady Wisdom invites us. She says, come in here. Come, the Hebrew word sir, which means to cut off, to turn away from our previous foolish ways. And there is an underlining element that if we want to grow in wisdom, it's not going to happen by accident. It's not just going to fall into our lap and bing, I got all the wisdom in the world. But wisdom is intentional. We need to turn away from what is foolish and walk towards what is wise. And so practically, what does this look like? What does this look like? 
Well, for some, maybe we need to separate ourselves from foolish environments, locations. I'm not going to drive by that place because I feel enticed and drawn to, to go in there and I'll probably make a foolish decision if I go in there, so I'm not going to drive by that location. Maybe I'm not going to surround myself with this specific group of friends because we typically do things that get us into trouble. You know, people typically get hurt. It may be fun, but it's not worth risking my life over. Maybe for some, we need to guard ourselves from what we read. Maybe what we watch, too. There's truth to the statement that the eyes are the windows to the soul. That eventually what we see will make its way and deep root into our heart. You see, we're all responsible to guard our heart, as Solomon says. To watch out, to protect against anything that can contaminate us. And you see, guarding our heart is crucial Because an undisciplined heart is easy for Satan to defeat. A heart that is not guarded is easy for Satan to defeat. And so where is this here, come in here, that Lady Wisdom is referring to? Well, it's figuratively her home. It's her banquet table that she has prepared. It's big. It's spacious enough to welcome all people, anyone who wants to grow in wisdom. And notice how Lady Wisdom does not wing it. She doesn't fly by the seat of her pants. Scripture says that Solomon said that she has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has set her table. It's figuratively of how wisdom thinks ahead. Wisdom sets oneself up for success. And she invites us to enjoy plenty of nourishment, the food and the drink that she has prepared, which implies that God has more than enough wisdom, plenty for us to feast on and to grow in, plentiful that all who accept his invitation to dine. And here's the point. We all can grow in wisdom as we spend time with God. You see, God is inviting all of us. He has set the table. He has plenty of wisdom to bestow upon us, but he invites us to come. And it's our choice. We can either accept the invite or reject the invite. But if we want to grow in wisdom, we accept the invite by spending time with God. God has more than enough wisdom for all people. Psalm 147.5 says, His understanding has no limit. His understanding has no limit. And Scripture does not assume that you need to be wise before coming to God. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture actually communicates and teaches that as we walk with God... He purifies us and imparts his wisdom and his righteousness. 1 John 1.7 says, As we walk in the light as he is in the light, his Son purifies us from all unrighteousness. We don't need to be wise 
before we come to God or have it all together, but as we walk with the Lord, we become wise and he cleans us up. God teaches us what is wise, purifies our heart to be filled with good and wholesome desires, and moves us away from acting foolishly. It's the principle that what you feed will grow. What you feed will grow. As we read our Bible, spend time in prayer, seeking and listening for God's righteous and wise ways, we grow in wisdom. But the opposite is also true. I'm thankful for my parents who've taught and modeled to me and my siblings what is wise. I've seen them treat others with respect. I've seen them be generous with their resources. And I've seen them prepare and think in advance. One nugget of wisdom that Dad often taught me was, do not let the gas tank get below the half way mark. <clears throat> Why? In case of an emergency and you need to get somewhere quickly, it's better to be prepared than wish you would have been prepared. I knew the principle. Long story short, I didn't listen by applying it to my life. I was driving somewhere and I thought that I could make it. Midnight came along and I ran out of gas on the highway. Gas stations closed. No one around. I had to call and wake one of my friends up to bring gas to me to fill it up so that I could get to the rest of the destination. I, I think you see where I'm going with this. This memory was not one of my finer moments. But I learned the lesson. Now I practice the wise principle. And my wife can tell you, I don't let the gas tank get below the halfway mark. I can tell you today, I'm not going to make that mistake again. This may seem like a silly illustration, but it reiterates the point, and it's this. One of the greatest enemies of growing in wisdom is ourselves. And if we want to grow in wisdom, maybe we need to humble ourselves. You see, my issue wasn't knowledge. I knew the principle. I knew what my dad was talking about. The hindrance was myself because I didn't apply it to my life. I was hindering myself from growing in wisdom. And until I humbled myself to really listen to what my dad is saying, maybe he has some past experience about this too and he's trying to protect me from making the same foolish mistake, if I would have applied it to my life, I could have saved myself from that embarrassing moment. Jesus said, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Listening is not just implying with our ears, with our heart, with our mind, and to apply it to our life. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. You know, I'm continually realizing the wisdom and experience, experiences of those who have walked faithfully with God for many years. 
maybe a mature believer, a senior citizen who has walked faithfully with the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, especially to those mature believers who have walked faithfully with the Lord, do not think that you have nothing to offer. Well, I'm retired. You can invest into my generation to share the wisdom and life experience and to trust the Lord even when you don't see if God's working. Even if you don't feel that he's working, we know that he's working out a plan ultimately for our good. You can share wisdom and life experience and invest it into my generation. My generation, we need to listen. We need to apply it to our life because it's ultimately for our good. If we want to grow in wisdom, maybe for some it begins with reverence for God. It begins with reverence for God. Did you notice what Solomon said in verse 10? He said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I appreciate what Pastor Karen shared last week about fear, that it's not a, I'm scared God is going to smite me and put me down in my place. But it's more of a reverence and awe of who God is. It's a reverence, it's a respect for who God is. He's more than our friend. He's more than our Savior. He's holy. He's powerful. He's just. He's the judge of the world. And so do we have a healthy reverence for God? Do we have a healthy respect for the things of God? Do we treat them well? Do we recognize that he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, and we all will stand before him one day? You see, when we have a clearer picture of who God is compared to us, we understand that our wisdom is nothing compared to his. His ways, his thoughts are higher than our own. And it's in our best interest to listen and follow God because Deuteronomy 10.13 reminds us that it's for our own good. It's for our own good. God's not just trying to control us and keep us in a box. He's trying to protect us from making foolish decisions. You may have seen this picture, but just this week, NASA revealed photos of how big and complex and amazing space is from the James Webb Telescope. And when I was looking at this, it was just incredible. And it reminded me how small I am. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. But I'm so small in comparison. King David wrote many years ago in Psalm 8, 3 through 4, when he said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of us, human beings that you care for them? You see, God wants us to help us grow. God wants to help us grow in wisdom and to do what is right. But it begins with acknowledging our own short-sightedness. 
our own lack of understanding, and instead humbly look to God who, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Maybe for some, we need a proper reverence for God. For others to grow in wisdom, maybe we need to be more receptive to correction. Uh, okay, I'm good with revering the Lord, but I do me, you do you. We'll be good. Solomon says, instruct a wise man and they'll be wiser still. Instruct them. Give them clear direction. Point them back on the right path. But it also implies someone that their motive is to be helpful too. That they'll be wiser to perfect and to mature. Solomon implies that when a person receives correction and instruction, somebody who's pointing them back on the right path, they become wiser when they apply it to their life. They become wiser when they apply it to their life, when they imply the instruction and the correction. But fools, they ignore correction. They don't listen. I'm going to run my life how I want to do it. You mind your own business. And they respond harshly. And so maybe a moment we just need to evaluate our life and how do we respond to correction? How do we respond to those trying to help put us back on the right path? Do we have a teachable spirit? Are we quick to defend? Or are we quick to listen? You see, most people don't like correction because they take it personally. They think it's an attack on their character. It's belittling their ability. In fact, someone wisely pointed out to me this week that so many people lack ownership of their actions and their words, and they justify it by saying things like this. If I said something that offended you, that's your problem, not mine. They justify it. Wise people gladly receive correction because they recognize that they have room to improve, to become more like Jesus. They don't think that they're perfect and they have it all together. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it produces a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. You may be getting a little distracted by this toothbrush and soap. What does that have to do with this passage of Scripture? Let me be a little vulnerable here. When I was younger, I don't remember what I said, but apparently I said something that was pretty inappropriate. And as punishment, my parents made me brush my teeth with soap. Needless to say, I didn't say that again. I was pretty embarrassed. My dad stood there and watched me brush my teeth and... Uh, uh, uh. 
the correction was unpleasant. But I learned what was right. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building each other up. If we want to grow in wisdom, what can we practically do this week? Maybe it's humbling ourselves, recognizing that we could be hindering ourselves because we're not open to receive and to learn from the wisdom and experience of other people. Maybe we need to spend more time with God. Maybe we actually need to apply the wisdom to our life. We've got lots of knowledge, but we don't actually put rubber to the road. James 1.5 reminds us that if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask God. Why? Because he gives generously. God has set an incredible feast, and he invites all of us to grow in wisdom. Our second point, in the same way that we can grow in wisdom, the opposite is also true. We all can be foolish. Amen to that. (laughs) We all can react out of emotion. We all can say things that are less than kind or do things without thinking about the results. I've learned that we are most susceptible to make foolish decisions in the acronym H-A-L-T. We're most susceptible to make foolish decisions when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. You're hungry. Man, just give me some food. You make me a sandwich. Come on. Angry. Oh, that person really drives my gears. I'm going to put them in place. Lonely. We go to an area or call someone up. Hey, you want to hang out? We're tired. I don't care. Do whatever. Doesn't bother me any. I've often heard it said that short-term pleasure is not worth lifetime regret. Short-term pleasure is not worth lifetime regret. What might feel good in the moment is not worth potentially ruining our life over. So remember, Solomon is personifying foolishness as a woman and that she has a voice. In the same way that Lady Wisdom invites us to dine with her, so too Lady Folly invites us. And she says something very similar to what Lady Wisdom had said. In verse 16, she also says, let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment. Lady Folly uses similar tactics and calls the same kind of people, those that are foolish and easily misled and enticed. Yet unlike Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And her words that she tempts us with is like a Venus flytrap. It's sweet talk. And once we give in to a lack of self-control, she's got us. Proverbs 5, 3 through 4 says, For her lips drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. 
But in the end, she is as bitter as poison and as dangerous and sharp like a sword. You see, Lady Folly uses the tactical weapon of temptation. And temptation has a predictable pattern. Temptation begins with a suggestion, a thought. I could do this. Won't hurt anything. The suggestion, the thought, then goes to the opportunity to do wrong. No one else is here. The door is shut. I'm by myself. Then it goes into justification, the, the reasoning. Well, I deserve this. I've worked hard. It's okay to please myself every once in a while. And then the benefit, what we receive, it feeds a craving and the ego. And when we know how Lady Folly attacks us, we can recognize her deceit and guard ourselves. There's a phrase that goes, forewarned is forearmed. Forewarned is forearmed. That knowledge in advance helps us to be prepared. If we know how she works, we know what weapon she uses, we can recognize it in advance. So it's important to note that Lady Folly not only attacks those who are simple, those who are easily misled, but she also attacks those who are presently following God's righteous ways. Notice what Solomon says in verse 15. She is calling out to those who pass by, those who go straight on their way. This word straight suggests that this person is remaining the right way, doing what God asks following what God is asking of us. And metaphorically, it suggests that when we turn our, our eyes away from what is right, we're more apt to stumble. You see, Solomon warns us that just because you're following God doesn't mean that you are immune to Lady Folly's attacks. In fact, if we're being honest, typically when we're following God, we have a tendency to let our guard down. We have a tendency to let our guard down because we're not expecting Satan's attacks, his temptations. But wisdom teaches us to keep our guard up at all times. Scripture says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. But Satan also disguises himself as an angel of light. That sin looks attractive. It looks good. Tastes good. Must be good. But it's deadly. And it's in those moments that we need to learn and to lean into God's wisdom to know the difference from what appears to be right and wrong and what actually is right and wrong. And notice how Solomon exposes the truth of Lady Folly's character. This is her character, that the woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined, without knowledge. This word loud doesn't necessarily mean volume, because even wisdom calls aloud in the streets. But this loudness refers to her lack of etiquette. It refers to her lack of etiquette. She doesn't behave properly. She's undisciplined. 
she knows no shame, no remorse. She crosses boundaries gladly, and she has without knowledge. It doesn't mean that she's dumb, but it refers to how she doesn't consider her actions and how they may impact her life. Solomon is exposing the truth of Lady Folly's character. And when you see this kind of behavior, run. When you see this kind of behavior, run. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent see danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. You know, we naturally flee from danger and take proper precautions. We have a smoke detector to detect and to tell us when there's smoke in our house, you know, fire, you know, you need to get out, you need, you need to keep yourself safe. Unfortunately, many people see the warning signs, yet don't flee right away. We play with it, postpone it, embrace it. And many don't prepare themselves in advance for its danger. You see, the reason why it's so hard to say no to this temptation and why Lady Folly is so seductive is what Solomon says in verse 17. Stolen water, sweet. Food eaten in secret, delicious. This stolen water is figurative of enjoying illicit and forbidden pleasures. And this secret refers to hiding it from other people. And if we're being really honest this morning, isn't the most foolish decisions the ones that we know are wrong, yet we try and hide them from other people? We don't want to get caught. And Solomon says why it's so hard to say no to Lady Folly? Because it feels good feels good. It feeds a craving. But what we don't realize is that some people think eh, a little won't hurt anything. A little won't hurt anything. But a moment on the lips, the eyes, produces a desire for more that convinces our heart of its lies. Let me say that again. Some people think a little won't hurt. But a moment can produce a, produce a desire for more that convinces our heart of its lies. It's deadly. It's poisonous. And it can ruin our life. Those who are deceived by Lady Folly only think about the temporary, the here and the now, rather than the future. They do not think in advance. And this path leads to death and ruin. Little do they know the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. It can refer to physical death. We all know that foolish decisions can be fatal, getting in with a drunk driver. But if we indulge in sinful actions long enough, it corrupts our soul and our trajectory gets way off course. And it can lead to eternal separation from God. There's a well-known phrase that goes like this. We either play now 
pay later, or we pay now and play later. What does that mean? We either play now, play with sin, do whatever we want, only think about the temporary, but we pay later when we have to stand before the Lord. Or we pay now. We guard our heart. We don't do things that we know are foolish that can lead to harmful things. But then we play later with God in heaven. You see, even King Solomon, the one writing this instruction, made an incredibly foolish decision when he knew better. And he paid for it. 1 Kings 11.4 says that he was led astray. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. Solomon began to worship other gods, lowercase g. And scripture is very clear that the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart turned away. God punished King Solomon, and it impacted not only his life, but his family too. And this is the point. Foolish decisions can impact our life, but it typically has a ripple effect to those close by. And so we're all susceptible to foolishness. It can come easy to us. Solomon has repeatedly said in Proverbs to guard your heart. And one of the ways that we guard our heart is to know and apply God's truth. If we want to protect our heart, to guard our heart, to protect ourselves from what is foolish, we need to know and apply God's truth. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, that it's not just knowing right from wrong, but wisdom of applying what we know is right. And Jesus goes even further by saying, if you know this and if you apply God's truth, the truth will set you free. Do you find that you're in bondage? Do you find that you keep redoing the same thing that you said you weren't going to do? Maybe we need to spend more time knowing God's word, but just as important as knowing it, we need to apply it to our life. If we do, the truth will set you free. So what have we been talking about? Well, we've been talking about how we all can grow in wisdom. And so practically, what can we pour into our life this week to grow in wisdom? Maybe it's spending more time with God. Maybe it's being more open and listening to the wisdom and experience of other people. Maybe it's humbling ourselves. Maybe it's a healthy reverence for who God is. Maybe it's inviting wise people to help instruct and to guide us to keep us on the straight and the narrow path. Maybe for others to protect ourselves from being foolish. You know, what can we do to protect ourselves in advance from foolishness? Wisdom sets themselves up in advance. 
They don't think that they have the strength that they can just say no right then and there. But they have boundaries, guardrails, accountability partners, people to check in on them, to protect them from doing things that are foolish. You see, Lady Folly leads to death, but Solomon communicates that if we follow and if we trust Lady Wisdom, you'll experience life. This is what he says. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. That we recognize the pitfalls and the temptations and the attacks of Satan. That we live honorably, right, and in view of who God is and what he has done for us. We can experience the best that God has for us as we turn away from our simple and foolish ways and instead trust and follow God because it's for our own good. I end with this quote. I recently heard it. It goes something like this. The God we need is in the place where he's leading. The God we need is in the place where he's leading. And so where might God be leading us to make the wise choice? He's what we need. He's inviting us to come. But the choice is ours. <laughs>